Today I'm going to share with you my ultimate Chiefs team based off players past or present, top three at every position. Then we'll do mock draft 4.0, and then we'll finish off the episode with some other team and league news. So let's get ready. I'd like to welcome you all to the Kingdom Connect podcast. This is the Kansas City Chiefs podcast. You're with your host and producer, Eric Lupartis, certified fitness and performance trainer. Hope everybody's doing well today. I'm recording this episode on Saturday, April 23rd. I know it's not a normal day for me to be recording the show, but last night I got busy. I didn't realize that promising a consistent day was going to be an issue, especially when you do have a life, but that's just part of it. Like I said, I'm new to this game. I went to a concert last night. It was uh, Snoop Dogg, Warren G, and Ice Cube. Had a blast. It was amazing. Um, But, you know, since it's off season, I figured it doesn't really matter what day I get the episode done as long as I get it out to you guys. And that's what I plan on doing for Chiefs Kingdom. Um, I'm still going to get it out weekly. It may just not be consistently on Friday, but I'm still going to shoot for to get you guys episodes on every Friday. That's still my goal no matter what. And to begin this episode, I wanted to start off with uh, doing a a ranking of players, past or present. So, I mean, players from past or players currently playing in in Chiefs franchise history. Now, you're probably wondering why we're doing this when this should pretty much be a whole draft talk when the draft's coming up. The draft is pretty much next. Well, it is next week. I don't want to say pretty much. Um. And that's the only thing that's kind of got the whole NFL's attention and fans of the uh, league is the NFL draft. And I am doing a mock draft this episode, so don't worry. We are going to talk draft stuff. But, you know, it's the off season. I want to have a little fun with the episodes, too. So we're going to go ahead and get right to it. And start off with the offense. We're going to start off with the quarterback position. And again, these aren't like rankings by facts or anything like that. I mean, they all have their statistics that back them up. No, don't get me wrong, but this is all my opinion. So don't think that I'm doing this and it's a guaranteed fact or anything like that. But this is all opinion based. All my rankings are. So the number one quarterback is obviously number 15, Mr. Patrick Mahomes, the number 10 overall pick in the 2017 NFL Draft. Um, And funny to speak about that, I I was uh, thinking about this earlier. You know, when we traded all those picks to the Buffalo Bills for Mahomes, you know, we essentially create a gate well we scratched each other's backs because with the picks they got they drafted Tremaine Edmonds uh the linebacker which he was young when he got drafted I want to say he was probably still like 19 years old when he when he was drafted Tredavious White the uh cornerback and then the following year they used their other pick to take uh Josh Allen 
So, I mean, they pretty much, you know, drafted their franchise. But look at our our uh, situation. We drafted our franchise and ultimately it led us to become rivals to this day. It's just kind of funny how that played out. But yes, um, I have Mahomes at number one. Number two is Len- Lenny Dawson. Uh, he was the quarterback that won this franchise's first ever Super Bowl, and that's Super Bowl four. I know a lot of other teams will like to say that. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. I know a lot of, a lot of other teams will like to say, oh, well, that was uh, pre, um, I, what was it? Pre, pre, some pre-era. And I'm like, well, or I can't remember what the era was called. I can't think of it at the top of my head. I'm kind of blanking out to this day. Um, but it was uh, it was Super Bowl four. They all count it. The NFL counts it and the franchise counts it. So it's a it's a championship. Um, yeah, I have him at number two, Lenny Dawson. Like I said, he was the quarterback of this franchise's first Super Bowl and also won the AFL championships. OK, before the merger, I just couldn't think of the damn name. <laughs> uh, but. Yes, it was technically before the merger. It was still NFL versus AFL at that time. But when the merger happened, they went and said, hey, well, since we technically made the NFL, the NFC conference and the AFL, the AFC conference, then, you know, it might as well count it as the Super Bowl. So it is the Super Bowl. We have a Lombardi trophy in the uh, organization and two Lombardis, actually. But I'm just talking about from that one. All right, moving on. Number third, uh, number three, the third quarterback in my ranking is Trent Green. Now, a lot of people probably would want Alex Smith. And I love Alex Smith. I appreciate everything Alex Smith did for this franchise when he was here. He was part of turning this team back into a winning culture. And his story, everything back about him is awesome. But Trent Green actually had an all-pro year with us. Alex Smith never had an all-pro year with us. He had Pro Bowl year, but Trent Green had an all-pro year. Trent Green, I think, in my opinion, was a little bit more... I think his perspective of the game and his intelligence and IQ of the game was a lot better than Alex Smith. Alex Smith was definitely a lot more athletic than Trent Green. Don't get me wrong. I am not going to take away. Alex Smith can run. We all know how Trent Green ran. You know, remember the hit that he took in the when we played the Cincinnati Bengals back then. I want to say that was 2007, I believe. 2006, 2007. I can't remember what year it was. We definitely had Herm Edwards as our coach, obviously. Um, I remember that game because I went. My dad took me. But Trent, I have Trent Green as, at the, as the number three quarterback on my rankings. All right, so we're going to move on to running backs. And like I said, I'm only doing three players per position. Uh, my first running back is Jamal Charles. Don't really need to explain too much about him. He was amazing every time he ran you knew it was probably going to be a touchdown. His burst, his one cut, it was amazing. Everything about him was amazing. And then um, my second uh, 
my second uh, running back was Priest Holmes. But let me take it back, uh, right back to Jamal Charles real quick. Uh, his thing was injuries. As he got older, you know, his knees were shot. He had tore both of his ACLs at one point. And I know a lot of people did not like the fact that when he tried to play for Denver, he he didn't do anything. They didn't. They had a old rundown, broken down Jamal Charles, and then he also tried had a short stint in Jacksonville. But yeah, no, it, I love Jamal Charles and everything he did for this franchise. I I wish he would, could have been a part of the Super Bowl winning champion, Super Bowl winning team as of recently. But I'm sure he got a ring. I think he was part of the guys that got rings, too. So, um, yeah, back, back to the rankings. The n- number two, I said, was Priest Holmes. Now, everybody knows Priest Holmes was amazing when he, when he played in his time. Now, his career was short. I want to say he only had three productive, like three or four productive years in Kansas City. I'd have to really look that up. Let me look that up real quick. I just want to double check. I believe Priest Holmes only had, because remember, he was an undrafted guy, and he started his career out in Baltimore, and they, you know, they, I think we traded, I can't remember, yeah, you know, he only had, oh, sorry, he played, he had five years in Kansas City, but three all-pro years, and his last two years, he only had played eight and seven games because, you know, he battled with his neck injuries. And so he was pretty much done with that. And, you know, he tried to come back in 2007, but again, he was old. He really wasn't anything by that point anymore. So obviously, I think Baltimore to this day is kind of like wondering why they did what they did. I can't remember if that was a trade or a release. I'm not going to look it up, but I kind of want to confirm how many years he played in Kansas City. God, it's been so long. It's 20 years ago when he was playing. It's crazy. Um, All right, back to it. Uh Set, uh, set third third running back I have on the list was Larry Johnson. Now I know he was a polarizing player in Chiefs uh, Chiefs Kingdom. Chiefs Kingdom, you either hated him or you loved him. You loved him for as talented as he was, but he was a fuck. You know he was an idiot and he did dumb shit and you know he was he talked shit to you know fans and this and that. You know I guess. If people want to compare him, I wouldn't say Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew actually loves the fans. But, you know, we've seen how he's interacted with certain fans before. So, you know, if Larry Johnson had social media, oh, man, I can imagine how things would have been. But Larry Johnson, you know, he's also he as talented as he was. He also started, you know, battling with injuries later on. And then he actually, I want to say when he went to the Redskins, or he either went to the Redskins or the Bengals. I can't remember. I think it was the Bengals, actually. But he didn't really do much at later on in his career. And then maybe he had a short stay in uh, Miami. Or I could be thinking of Reggie Bush. I can't remember. Um, moving on to fullbacks, uh I obviously have Tony Richardson as number one. He's he was our number one fullback for years, 
Matter of fact, I want to say there was even a season where he was our primary running back, and he was good. He was, I mean, he could run like a running back, but his thing was blocking. That dude could block like a motherfucker. I mean, he was our fullback in in the '90s, going into the early 2000s and stuff like that. You know, I I miss Tony Richardson. Um, then my second one is the sausage Anthony Sherman. He was. Uh, basically Andy Reid's reign first like his first eight years or however many years it's been since however many seasons Andy Reid's been here with us I want to say Andy Reid's going on his ninth season with us yeah his ninth season um or 10th season let me think so 13 14 15 16 17 18 19 20 21 22 oh 10th season gosh uh yeah he's going Andy Reid's going on his tenth season so uh he didn't come Anthony Sherman retired last year he didn't play in the twenty one season so his twenty season was his last year so Andy Reid's eighth season as a head coach eight eight season as a head coach is when Anthony Sherman was uh a fullback and uh he was traded I want to say we traded Javier Arenas for him. And he, because he was uh, originally from Arizona, we had traded Javier Arenas there. So I do miss the sausage. He's a sheriff now. He's doing awesome things wherever he's staying at. I appreciate everything that he did for Kansas City and the time he had. I'm glad that he was able to win a Super Bowl with us. Um, I remember the plays we created, smoked sausage. And we did a lot of fullback screens with him, too. I mean, as as physical and big as he was, I mean, he was a little bursty and he, he got in the end zone a few times. I mean, especially in his earlier years when we had Alex Smith as our quarterback and they started really underutilizing him a lot more, you know, as he got older, started primarily putting him on special teams and having him come in on certain first downs, first or second downs, depending on if we needed that extra blocking and to get, sh- you know, shortage, short lineage or, or short yardage, short lineage, short yardage. Um, and then now my third one is I'm uh, going to give it to Christian Okoye. Now, Christian Okoye could be higher. He was an amazing runner, but, you know, just for who he is, and you know, I just, I don't know. I, I, I still will always put Richardson and Sherman over him. I do appreciate Christian Okoye, though. You know, he was the Nigerian nightmare. He was huge. He had the big neck roll. And he was running guys over. All right, now on to receivers. I'm Tyree Kill at number one. And I know a lot of people probably like, eh, probably would put other guys over him. I personally have Tyree Kill at number one just because everything that he obviously is did for the franchise. Tyree Kill has been a reason for us to win like the most dramatic games ever. And well, one, yeah, pretty much the most dramatic games in like literally like the last like six years. I mean, I could even take it back to the Denver Broncos game back when uh, Cairo Santos hit the freaking doink just to win. Remember when Tyree Kill had, um, I, I don't know if he it was a touchdown or he was getting the two point conversion, but he the way he leaped in the uh, end zone or had he land how he landed in the end zone there was like kind of a controversial be, uh, behind it but how he utilized himself or how he maneuvered himself it was legal and it counted so 
I mean, the dude has been, he was a game changer for this franchise and I'm, I'm going to miss him, but he's going to do his thing in Miami and that's just what, that's just what it is. But he's going to be in our ring of honor at some point. So I have Tyra Kiltz as the number one receiver in this franchise history. And then, or my franchise rankings, I shouldn't say history. Um, and now I have Otis Taylor at number two. Otis Taylor was the almighty receiver on our team back in the 70s and stuff. And, you know, in the AFL time as well. Um, he won the Super Bowl with us. Uh, the uh, Super Bowl four. He was amazing in his time. Um, and then I have Dwayne Bowe at number three. Now, Dwayne Bowe was obviously great in his earlier years but as that idiot got old and I'm not trying to call him an idiot Dwayne Bowe's cool I follow him and you know I know he's rapping now I've seen him at games I know he likes to hang around the um, fans still and be a part of the kingdom still and I'm sure that you know I know the franchise has a lot of respect for him I think they even gave him a ring too um he did his one day retirement as long along with Jamal Charles along with uh Derek Johnson uh, but he, uh, like I said, he was amazing early in his times. He was a big physical receiver, but as he got older, you know, he was getting in trouble all the time for weed. We all know the famous story about how he asked the cops to drop him, well, not drop him off, but go through the Sonic drive through so he can get something to eat before he went to jail, you know, but he was an idiot. He like just doing dumb stuff off the field is what I meant. You know, it put the you know he failed the team a lot but you know that's just who he was um now let's move on to tight ends um obviously I have Travis Kelsey at number one just because the consistency everything he's done for this franchise Super Bowl champion all pro consistent all pro now I know number the number two man has way more pro bowls than all pros but Travis Kelsey also helped win this championship, helped win this franchise a championship. And he had, he was part of a better team. That's just what it was. Now, I have Tony Gonzalez at number two, and I love Tony Gonzalez. Matter of fact, he's pretty, well, I don't want to say he's who made me fall in love with the uh, Chiefs. I vividly remember Derek Thomas's last, last, you know, years before he passed, uh, when he was playing and I want to believe that was like super late late 90s like 1999 like his last season I want to say yeah his last season playing I remember like watching him but then you know going back and you know knowing the history behind him and I'm sorry I don't mean to get into him but the only reason why I bring it up is because although he kind of sparked me to watch Chiefs football Tony Gonzalez was pretty much what got me consistently watching. You know, Tony Gonzalez was amazing. I mean, granted, he was there the later years of Derek when Derek Thomas was playing too. So Tony Gonzalez is, you know, he was amazing. He did everything for this franchise. He was a good end zone guy. You could just toss the ball up. You knew he was going to get it. Teams hated playing us. I mean, rivals hated playing us. I mean, the Chargers especially, especially, you know, but we hated playing them because they had, um, oh, had Antonio, Antonio Gates. So, you know, Antonio Gates was another big bodied basketball player that 
that just jumped up in the air and caught everything. So that's just what it was. So yeah, I have Tony Gonzalez at number two. I know, again, Chiefs Kingdom, they're still holding that damn comment he had over over what he said. You know, he said that, you know, he feels like he owes his time or whatever he said to Atlanta or he picked Atlanta over Kansas City. Boo-hoo. He did a lot. I don't want to say he did a lot more with Kansas City because, you know, he obviously had a longer career here in Kansas City and he recognizes his team as his as his number one team. He He even said that. He meant... What he meant was, or at least from what I took from it, is how successful, how far, like the far, more farther success that he got to have with Atlanta. Because he did. He got to play in an NFC title game. That's as far as he's ever gotten and as far as he's probably, you know, ever thought he was going to get in, um, in his career. I don't know. I don't hold that against him. I know, yeah, did it suck hearing him say it in the moment? Yeah, but then when he came out and said, hey, I didn't mean it like that, you know, I actually listen to people. I don't sit there and be like, no, you actually you actually meant it, blah, 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 blah. No, okay, I actually give people a chance, and I actually give people an opportunity to explain themselves and what they actually mean. And he loves both teams. He had an amazing run in Atlanta. You know, he got farther in the playoffs with them. But he had a longer career in Kansas City, and everything that he did here was amazing. He's in the ring of honor. It's it is what it is. Um, now my third uh, third uh, ranked tight end is Fred Arbonis. He was the tight end back in the seventies. He was amazing for his time and uh, won won a Super Bowl with us. Um, now let's move on to offensive tackles. Uh, my first one is John Alt. He was the the tackle of the 90s. He was amazing for his time. You know, he did everything. He was a left tackle. My uh, second one is uh, Mitchell Swartz. Now, I know we didn't have Mitchell Swartz for a super long time. I want to say we signed him in 2016. It either been 2015 or 16, but he he's pretty much retired. You know, he... His last season was a Super Bowl season when we won the Super Bowl. He tried to play like the first like two games, two or three games in the 2020 season, but his back was killing him. His back, you know, screwed him a lot. So it it, it took him out for the year and pretty much put him in retirement, I believe. You know, he hasn't really said he's in retirement, but who knows? Excuse me real quick. The old lady, the old lady surprised me with a fountain drink from the store. I like fountain drinks. They just hit different for some reason. Anyways, Mr. Swords, but he was amazing. He was an amazing right tackle. He was consistent. His kick step was amazing. He was just so technically sound. Robot, just robot. It sucked how his his snap consistency broke, though, in the Tennessee Titans game in 2019 when he had to take a snap off because of there was like a small injury or something like that. He's never he never took a snap off, never until that point. And that's amazing. That's consistency. Now, the reason why I have John Alden at number one is because he was here a lot longer, left a bigger legacy. 
Um, and I have Willie Rolfe at number three. Now, I know Willie Rolfe made most of his career in New Orleans, but he was a part of a dynasty line, amazing line. And if people know the stories about him, he would be slow running up to the huddle and just, you know, leaning down because his back was bad, you know, his knees were shot. But when the ball was hiked, he was mauling guys over, just running full speed, mauling guys over. And he was a left tackle. He was, a, I believe he was a left tackle. Yeah, no, no, he wasn't. He was, he could have been the right tackle. He had to have been the right tackle. I'm sorry, I don't remember a lot of these guys' positions at times, especially on the offensive line. I believe he, you know what, he could have been the left tackle. Uh, I should have went Chiefs. Uh, 2003 roster. Should just do that because that's when the line was amazing. Okay, yeah. Willie Rove was left tackle. Yep. I, my first guess. I shouldn't have guessed that because I, I knew it. I knew he was a left tackle. Um... But I'm only, I was only, and I know I was only doing uh, right, I combined right and left. Sorry, I can't speak. I combined right and left tackles. So I didn't really make a list just specifically for right tackles and then a list specifically for left tackles. Now let's move on to guards. Uh, Number one is Will Shields. Will Shields was amazing. He was here for years. I mean, he was through the 90s, through most little bit of the 2000s. But he was Mr. Consistency. Awesome. I love Will Shields. And then the other one was Brian Waters. Brian Waters came in, you know, early 2000s. And, you know, he was, he was then on until about the mid-2000s or late 2000s, I should say. Right when he went to New England because he played with New England in those mid-Super Bowls that or the I want to say it was either the 2007 one that he went to or the 2011 one that he went to in New England when we had traded Brian Waters to the team or maybe we released him. I think we traded him to New England. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh my number 3 guard, I put Trey Smith. Now, I know that's kind of a to be determined type of thing, but he had an amazing rookie year and his upside is still growing. He he was a mauler. He just road graded everybody around him he was he was a dog and that's what we need on this uh, offensive line so I put him at number three for my offensive guards and uh, rankings now let's move on to centers centers yeah centers 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 Um, Tim Grunard is the number one center in uh, this franchise rankings just because he was the he was drafted, I wanna say maybe eighty nine. I wanna say either eighty eight or eighty nine. If it was eighty nine, that's the same year that Derek Thomas was drafted. But Tim Grunard, he was a center for years. You know, he was amazing. He actually got put in the ring of honor this last season. I was there when he Yeah, I was there when he got put in. Um I believe that could have been the Sunday night game against the uh the Broncos. Yeah, that sounds about right. 
Then I have Casey Wegman at number two. Casey Wegman is a uh, he was part of that offense, the amazing offensive line in two thousand three, and it was actually a consistent you know center. He had the thong helmet, and everybody kind of remembered him of that. But Wegman was amazing. Now I put Creed Humphrey at number three. Now a lot of people could say, oh, I want him at number one. And you know what? I think he will be number one eventually. But again, it's like I said about Trey Smith. He had an amazing rookie year. I don't want to sit there and say all this and then like, you know, he slumped. I don't see him slumping just because center's jobs are usually, you know, if you have amazing guards next to you, you're good. But Humphrey's amazing. Creed Humphrey is going to have an amazing career here. I believe we're going to try to keep make him our franchise center. That's just what it is. You need a franchise center. We're going to pay him amazing money when he's time to get paid. All right. That was all, that was the offense. Now we're going on to the defense. Uh we're going to start with edge and or and defensive end edge kind of the same thing. Um depending on the scheme, the years that we, you know, what schemes and formations we ran. But number one is Derek Thomas. Derek Thomas is the number one edge rusher in my opinion, not of all time, but I would say definitely top three in the NFL, should be top three in the NFL. Uh, Sucks that, you know, he had to pass away, you know, when he still had a lot more in the tank left in his career. But there was a rumor that he was possibly going to get traded to Miami. You know, the that year he passed away. You know, he something. Some people keep saying that he died in the car accident. He didn't die in the car accident. He died at the hospital due to blood clots days after his accident. But still, it was sad that you know the league and the franchise lost an amazing player, an amazing person. Although I will say that. He was pretty late. The stories say that Derek Thomas was lazy, late to film all the time. He would be, you know, sometimes he would be suspended games or quarters, whatever the case may be, would be fined. You know, he was just a guy that liked to have fun and didn't care. You know, he he was a guy that just had very great athletic ability for that time. See, nowadays you can't get away with that. You have to watch film nowadays because guys are too good. Guys are too smart. Guys know the game very well. And back then, tackles weren't as athletic. They were just more fundamentals and this and that of how to try to teach offensive linemen. Offensive linemen coaches back then were not the same as now. And a lot of them have personal coaches that focus on those areas now, whereas that wasn't as much then. It was just, you know, hey, you're just training. But uh, tackles, again, weren't as athletic. So Derek Thomas was just good for his time, and he was ripping off tackles. He was basically the best edge rusher of the 90s. The 80s was uh, uh, the original uh, freak. I'm having a damn brain fart. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna get this. Oh man. Oh, play for the damn Giants. I can't believe I'm having a brain fart about this. I'm gonna have to go ahead and look this up too. Sorry guys. I, I've had a long night and a long last night and long day this morning. So it's been, 
it's been it's been been a time. Uh, LT. <laughs> why why couldn't I think of that? LT. Uh, <sighs> Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, Lawrence Taylor. I'm sorry, guys. I am having a brain fart on a lot of these things today. Don't know why, but Lawrence Taylor, the, he was the edge rusher of the 80s. Derek Thomas was the edge rusher of the 90s. So, yeah, I have Derek Thomas as my number one edge rusher in history, Chiefs history, or Chiefs rankings. Now, my second one is Justin Houston. And the only reason why I put Justin Houston is because he was a sack away from I want to say breaking the record or tying the record. He was either tying or breaking the record. Maybe, maybe, yeah, no, he tied the uh, he tied the franchise record, but he was a sack away from breaking the NFL all-time record. That's what it was. And freaking Bob Sutton decided to drop him in the coverage like he always did because he did dumb shit like that. Good old Bob Sutton. But yeah, I have Justin Houston as our second one. He had an amazing season in 2014. Although we didn't make the playoffs that year, he had an amazing season. Our defense was awesome that year. Our offense just sucked. Um, but yeah, no, Justin Houston, uh, his thing was injuries that derailed him. My third one is Tom Bali. Tom Bali left the legacy here. He's going to be in the ring of honor. I don't know how many sacks he left uh left off with uh when he retired but he pretty much played he played his whole career here in Kansas City and his story is amazing. So I have him as my number 3 edge rusher in the uh, Chiefs rankings. Um I'm now on to defensive tackle/nose tackle. I combined them together. Um Neil Smith is number 1 for me. Neil Smith had amazing years, all pro years. Sucks that, you know, he had to win Super Bowls with the Denver Broncos. I'm happy for him that he did. You know, at least he got to win championships. But I wish it didn't have to be on the damn fucking Broncos. Uh, But Neil Smith, he still hangs around. He hangs around town a lot. I've seen him before. I've chatted with him before. He's a good guy. Um, And then my next one is Chris Jones. Chris Jones is amazing. He had an amazing year in 2018, all pro year. All I want yeah, an all pro year. He um he had 15 and a half sacks and he hasn't smelt that again yet, but he's been the team's uh he's been the team's leading sack guy since since he's pretty much been on the team. So you know, it is what or since 2018, he's pretty much led the team in sacks. And it sucks because you wish he had more, especially in the playoffs. I've said this before, and I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way, but, you know, it is what it is. And honestly, I don't know if Brett Veach may move on from next year. I don't know. He says he wants to be in Kansas City for his whole career. And a part of me wants him to, but a part of me also doesn't want to pay him if he's only going to rip off seven, eight, or eight sacks in the regular season, then he gets none in the playoffs. But I still have him as the second-ranked best player just because he's amazing. He's still amazing at what he does when he's good or when he's trying because there's times where he can take plays off. Um, 
then third one is Don Terry Poe. Don Terry Poe was a traditional nose tackle. Amazing just because he only played a couple years in high school and then he went on to play in college because he was just so big. And then he goes to the uh, pros. Andy Reid. Oh, <sighs> Andy Reid. I like to use uh, utilize him a lot and like run run plays like as a fullback and goal line. Obviously, everybody should remember the pass he did to uh, Demetrius Harris and the time we played the uh, Denver Broncos. I want to say that was Christmas. That could have been that Christmas game. Could have been wrong, but I believe it was a Christmas game. Um, now we're on to linebackers. Obviously, I have Derek Johnson at number one. Derek Johnson was amazing. He was he was the team's all time tackle tackler uh, in franchise history. And then I have Donnie Edwards at number two. Donnie Edwards had amazing years here in Kansas City, but he had really better years in San Diego. And then he came back to Kansas City for a little bit, but. He was part of his franchise. I like Donnie Edwards. He was consistent. He was smart. Um, back on Derek Johnson, a lot of people said that I played like him in, uh, in high school, or at least they were like the way that I ran on the field or like just moved on the fields. People said that, oh, it just reminds me of like how Derek Johnson moves. I wasn't Derek Johnson. I wasn't going out there and laying guys out like him. You know, I had some plays. Don't get me wrong, but. Not I'm not Derek Johnson or was never trying to be like him. Um, freaking hell and Pop Warner, I got called. I got compared to Mean Joe Green at one time. I was like, what? <laughs> Whatever. Um, on to my third one, I have Nick Bolton. Again, it's kind of like similar to uh, Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey. Upside, had an amazing rookie year. Had 120-plus tackles with... 15 plus tackle for losses. There's only one other rookie who did that in NFL history. And I don't think anybody did that in Chiefs history. Maybe one other rookie did in Chiefs history, but I believe there was only one other player in NFL history that did that. Nick Bolton's the future. Him and Willie Gay are the future of this franchise. Now on the safeties, uh, number one for me, oh, excuse me, is Eric Berry. Eric Berry was amazing when he was playing. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he got cancer, but he came back and he beat it. He had two all-pro seasons after cancer. That's that's fucking wild. That is fucking wild. And I appreciate the years Eric Berry gave us. Now, when he signed that contract, uh, it was it was a long-term one, but... It, it it killed us. I mean, removing when we we released him, but we still had to pay him. We still had to pay him all that guaranteed money, and we probably stopped doing that. I want to say in two thousand eighteen or two thousand nineteen, maybe the year we won the Super Bowl. And we stopped. Uh, we finally got off his contract. I believe that was the time. Now I have uh, Honey Badger at number two, five. The landlord Tyron Matthew. I love Tyron Matthew. I loved him since his LSU days. Followed him every, you know, every team he's been on. No, he had a little bit of a falling out with the fans, but I respect everything, you know, he did for us. You know, he was part of a Super Bowl, you know, winning team. He was the captain of defense, Super Bowl defense. You know, he was the voice of the team mostly, you know, him and Pat were. 
He was amazing. He had two All-Pro years, one Pro Bowl year. You know, be, got landed on the Old Decade team. You know, did so much for this franchise. You know, in his time. And I know uh, Brett Veach had a press conference, and I haven't. I've yet to listen to it, but uh, I know that he's. I know there was a part where he had said that the door isn't exactly shut yet, just based off the relationship that he they still have with uh, Tyron Matthew or what they had with Tyron Matthew, I should say. Uh, now I put Deron Cherry at number uh, three. He was basically our best safety in the 90s. Uh, his, I want to say he, he lives in, he, he lives around here, I still I say believe, or I believe still. I, I don't know if that's true, but I, I do believe I've seen him around. Um, but yeah, Deron Cherry is my number third, uh, number three safety in the rankings. Uh, now let's go on to corners. Uh, I have Dell Carter at number one. He was again a really good cornerback in the '90s. Played alongside uh, Deron Cherry and Kevin Ross, um, and they were locking that secondary down back when our defense was just fucking amazing in the damn '90s. Um, now I have Marcus Peters at number two. Unfortunately, we traded him away, in my opinion, uh, before the 2018 season. And I understand why they had to do it, but I just, uh, I don't know. He was leading the league in INTs when he got drafted. You know, unfortunately, towards ACL last year when he went to the Ravens. He's getting older, but he's still an amazing cornerback. Then that leaves me with Brandon Flowers as the number three corner. Brandon Flowers is amazing in his time, too. He played mostly in the Haley Haley scheme. I want to say he did have one year or two years in the Andy Reid scheme, maybe one year. But he was part of he was mainly part of the Todd Haley reign. Uh, I could have been maybe a little bit with Herm Edwards, but I don't know for a fact. Um, now let's go down to the kickers. Uh, Harrison Bucker for me is number one just because he's won us some amazing games uh, due to his kicking. And, you know, although he was the only guy who scored in the Super Bowl that we lost, he is my number one guy. And I respect and I love me some Bucker. Now I have Nick Lowry at number two. Okay, guys. Don't get mad at me. I know about the wild card game when we lost to Miami. Now, and he he's the one who missed the field goal, and we killed him for it. But he had all pro years. He was an all pro kicker. He he was good. You know, I go down to Ryan Suckup. Ryan Suckup was Mister Consistent for the time he played. He, again, he was mainly in the Haley era. He had one year, well, I believe, yeah, one year, I believe, with Andy Reid. But he went to Tennessee the next year, and then he's been killing it with uh, Tampa Bay. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, he went to Tampa Bay, won a Super Bowl with them. So, all right, guys, that was that was my rankings. Now, like I said, I'm just doing fun things right now. This is the off season. I don't care that, you know, the draft is, oh, I care that the draft is next week, but I'm not going to just make a whole episode based off the draft. I'm going to do fun things, you know, especially during the off season. All right, guys, when we get back, we're going to go ahead and do mock draft 4.0.
All right, Chiefs Kingdom, we're going to go ahead and get into Mock Draft 4.0. Now, before we start this, I do plan on doing one more next week before the uh, NFL Draft. It'll be Mock Draft 5.0, my ultimate one, the one that I think could happen, not guaranteeing it, but what I think could happen. And that'll be in a short episode on Wednesday because uh, the NFL Draft's on Thursday. And I'll drop another episode, or I plan on dropping another episode that uh, following weekend. And that'll go over most of the NFL draft and stuff. But next week on Wednesday in that short episode, that'll be Mock Draft 5.0, my ultimate mock draft. And I'll also talk about Brett Veach's, Brett Veach's press conference because I didn't get to actually listen to that. But I still want to go over it and share it with you guys. So it'll be in that short episode on Wednesday next week. All right, so Mock Draft 4.0, and I decided to use uh, Pro Football Network again, and I made a trade with the Houston Texans. We're going to go through this pretty quick. A lot of you guys know who a lot of these college players are because some of them have been repetitive. I've probably picked them already in other mock drafts. I'm not saving those mock drafts because, to be honest with you, I don't give a shit. They're just kind of made up and what I think or what I want to happen, not exactly what will happen. So I I just changed it up every week. So this week I decided I wanted to trade with the Houston Texans and I traded pick 29, pick 30, pick 121, pick 233, pick 251. Those 201s are seventh rounders. The 121 is a third rounder. And 29 and 30 are both uh, first round our first round picks. And then I also traded next year's uh, draft, 2023's Kansas uh, our third round, one of our third round picks. And that draft is going to be in Kansas City. And I did that just to get the 13th overall pick. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, I'm a little gassy. I've been drinking a little bit of soda. So even though it's sugar-free, don't worry. Um, that carbonation makes me burp a lot. So apologize. But like I said, we traded and got the uh, 13th overall pick. They accepted it. Now, with that, I uh, drafted Garrett Wilson, the receiver out of Ohio State, number 13th overall pick. And I don't know if he's been dropping down boards or not. I believe he's still going to go top 10 because I think he's just that talented. Uh, he's still kind of the number one receiver off the boards. But, hey, you never know. Jamison Williams, Williams could go. Chris Olave can go. Don't really see Olave really going before uh, Wilson. But Wilson was there at 13, so I decided to take him at, uh, to be our number one receiver. Now, on to the second round, uh, pick 50. Because I decided to keep my second round picks this year. I drafted the edge, David Ajabo, out of Michigan. I know he, Keeley's injury. I've picked him in previous mock drafts before. And he won't be ready by uh, week one. He may miss most of the uh, 22 season, if not all of it. He's probably a 2023 player. But I decided just to go with him this time. Uh, I'm sure... I'm sure Brett Veach is going to make something work. I know that if we did draft him, I'm sure we'll draft another edge 
just so he can be our player now. I think I did that in my first mock draft. I took Boye Mafe and David Ajabo because Boye was going to be player now and David Ajabo was Frank Clark's replacement in 2023. So I took David Ajabo at number 50 because he was the best edge there. So that's just what it was. Um, at pick 62, our, our second pick in the uh, second round, I took Kobe Bryant, the cornerback out of Cincinnati. We all know about him. He's Mr. Consistent, fundamentals, really good cornerback. It's definitely what we need uh, to replace Charvarius Ward and pair him with Legereus Sneed and uh, Fenton and all those guys. Uh, then at pick number 94, I took Channing Tindall, the linebacker out of Georgia, He's a little bit more of a, uh, what should I say? He's kind of more of a um, downhill guy, but he can run a little bit laterally. I'm sure the way that Spags would use him, he'd be kind of an overhang Sam. That's kind of the hope. And he's a blitzer. <laughs> well, what did, he, what did uh, Spags like to do with Ben Neiman on third down sometimes? He'd blitz him. So Channing Tindall could possibly take that role a little bit. I don't know what he would do. I'm not saying that he would go into the dime, but he would be a good guy. You could probably have blitz uh, off the um, off the edge, possibly in um, possibly off the edge in a whatever blitz formation that they have in a four three. So I don't know. And uh, pick 103 in the third round, I took Jeremy Ruckert, the tight end out of Ohio State. So I'm taking two pretty much receive, uh, receiving guys out of Ohio State. Jeremy Ruckert's really good. Uh, he's kind of a, I don't want to say diva, but he's he's a guy. He's a, he's a voice. And who did we all, you know, see that in in his early career? And that was Travis Kelsey. Tony Gonzalez has always been a guy like that, but Travis Kelsey. Um, Jeremy Ruckert, he's athletic. He's a receiving, pretty much a receiver. He can block, but he's a good receiving tight end. He can move. He has good hips. I highly recommend you guys look up his film. So I took him at pick 103. Um... And then at pick 135, I took JT Woods. Uh, JT Woods is the safety out of uh, Baylor. He's really big. He's a big safety. He can hit hard. He's athletic. You can blitz him. He's rangy. He has long arms. You know, he can move laterally downhill. Uh, you can probably play him a little bit in a robber role, kind of do some Tyre Matthew things, maybe some Dan Sorensen things. You never know. But I highly recommend you uh, look up his film. And that was pretty much all of our picks because I didn't. I decided only to do the four first four rounds. I didn't want to really jack with those other two seventh-round picks that we had. So I only took the uh, six uh, six picks, and obviously I traded the – traded away the uh, other two seventh round picks and then the other two um our two first round picks i believe let me double check that yeah two first round picks one third round pick and then two seventh round picks so yeah i only got to take six of our picks this year but they were really valuable picks Honestly, I think Brett Veach could trade down, you know. There's more valuable players in the second and third round, to be honest with you. 
I mean, I don't see us keeping that pick 29. We're not going to keep it. We're going to flip it for something. It's going to be something. You never know what Brent Veach has in store. You know, he's just, he's been, he's, he's been a, you know, he's been weird with his uh, ways, especially when it comes to the draft. You know, his draft picks have been kind of up and down. Uh, 2018 was his first draft, technically, and Derek Nottie was the only good pick that he got out of that. So, I don't know. Um... Well, guys, that's going to go ahead and conclude it for this mock draft. And when we get back, we're going to go ahead and finish up with some news. News, 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 news. Read all about it. All right, Chiefs Kingdom. Before we start sharing some news, I totally forgot to summarize the mock draft in the last segment. So I'm going to go ahead and do that real quick. And I told you all we'd uh, trade away some picks to the uh, Houston Texans, and we received the 13th overall pick of the draft. And with that pick, we drafted Garrett Wilson, the receiver out of Ohio State. Then we took uh, David Ajabo, the edge out of Michigan, at pick 50. Then we took Kobe Bryant, the cornerback out of Cin- the cornerback out of Cincinnati, at pick 62. Then we took Channing Tindall, the linebacker out of Georgia, at pick 94. Then we took Jeremy Ruckert, the tight end out of Ohio State at pick 103. Then we took JT Woods, the safety out of Baylor at pick 135. And I didn't do any of the, uh, I didn't do the last two remaining seventh round picks. So that was our uh, mock draft 4.0. Now on to the news, the news, news, news. Um, I want to begin it with uh, the Brian Flores case that's going on because it's kind of been, it's kind of been weird. It's it it sparked up, then they stopped talking about it a little bit. Then it's been going on, then they stopped talking about it. Uh, now the now it's being said that the NFL tend, intends to try to force entire Brian Flores case into a secret arbitration. I don't know what any of that means, but in this article from uh, Mike Mike Florio, and he posted that up two days ago on uh, NBC Sports uh, Pro Football Talk, and he said the NFL currently faces a landmark piece of litigation aimed to forcing meaningful and needed change in the head coaching, hiring, and firing practices of the league's 32 teams. Uh, the NFL intends to try to divert the entire case from an independent public tribune, tribunal tribunal into a uh, a secret rigged kangaroo court, whatever that means. Um, and a civil case management plan and scheduling ordered submitted by the parties on Thursday, the league and various teams have uh, that have been named in the case express an intention to file a note a motion to compel arbitration or an alternative a motion to dismiss for failure to state a claim and then i don't know where these quotes it says we have said from the start that if the nfl wants to create change the first step is to allow for transparency attorney douglas h wick Wigder and John F. Kolaris, I don't know how you say his last name, said in a statement. 
and I guess it just goes on and on and on. Bottom line is it's it's a crazy situation. We all know that racism is still a thing. I'm a black man myself. I have dealt with it before and it, it it's a horrible thing. Now, I'm not saying that it has to be a sole focus or anything like that. We shouldn't just solely focus on that in life or into the game, but we shouldn't be oblivious to it. And it definitely happens in the hiring processes. You know, the rule was put in place to, I I don't want to say, it's almost like a back, the rule is pretty much like a backhand compliment because, you know, yeah, it's forcing teams that, you know, you know, at least interview X amount of, you know, minorities but they don't have to hire them. They still don't have to hire them. It's it's one of those dealios. So it's a crazy situation. I don't want to get too much into it. You know, I do think that that was shitty for that GM in Miami to fucking, you know, want to pay coaches to lose. Now, if I'm Brian Flores, it's like one of those things like, what do you do? Like, I'm sure he probably was getting threatened like his job, like, you know, like, well, if you don't, then, you know, you're going to lose your job at the end of the year. It, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a sticky and shitty situation, but we shouldn't be oblivious to racism. It still happens. Um, <clears throat> the NFL draft, like I said, is coming up next week. That's the biggest, biggest thing going on in the NFL right now. Guys' dreams are going to get made. Um, It was interesting. I was listening to Locked On Chiefs podcast the other day, and they were doing a they were doing like a segment on the first two picks of the uh, actual NFL draft, and it was the Locked On Jaguars, and then the Locked On whoever has the second overall pick. I can't remember. Oh, the Detroit Lions. Yeah. So it was the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Detroit Lions. They're locked on shows. They did a, their first pick, and they did uh, the Lions did their their first pick. Um, it was interesting because they used to have Aiden Hutchinson going number one, but there's been kind of some speculations about Trayvon Walker being the number one overall pick of the NFL draft this year. And I know that it's probably because of his athletic upside that especially what or well his athletic performance that he had at the combine and what he did at his pro day. He's a he's an athletic freak, but you know, on the defensive line that he played on, he wasn't that productive. I mean, granted he played alongside a lot of other great defensive, you know, line members and everybody else on the defense. But I guess they're banking on his athletic upside. And, you know, they said that he they think that he could be the best defensive end, you know, like a like a game changer, essentially like a Miles Garrett or like a Nick Bosa or whatever the case may be. And they're saying that Aiden Hutchinson can move to number two. Now, Aiden Hutchinson could still get drafted by Jacksonville. You never know. It all just depends. We don't know. It, we don't know what's going to happen. My biggest thing is, you know, for the Chiefs, just don't fall in love. If you fall in love, that's when you're getting trouble. <laughs> it's a real thing. 
you know, you apply it in a lot of things. When you fall in love, that's when you get in trouble. <laughs> you know, it, it's, I'm not saying you can't love a player or have, you know, a lot of respect for a certain way of a, how a player plays. Or, you know, you may like a certain player's story based off how you interview them. But do what's right and what's necessary. Please. Last year probably was Brett Beach's best draft of of all time since he's been GM. And that's good because he's getting better each year. And, you know, I I can't knock the guy for his first couple drafts. I mean... The, the best guy he got out of, like I said, the 2018 draft was Derek Nottie. And then he traded up to get Breland Speaks. Breland Speaks doesn't even play anymore. So, and I don't even think any of the guys that are in that, that was in that uh, draft are still on the team. Unless um, uh, Allegretti was part of that draft. But I think Allegretti could have been in 2019. Or he could have been in 2018. I'm not 100% sure. But speaking of Brett Veach, I know we had a press conference. I know I wanted to listen to it. I missed it. I'm going to go ahead and listen to it, you know, in the coming days. But I do plan on sharing his press conference, you know, specifically what he says on the short episode on Wednesday. Um. What I did hear about uh, in his press conference, what I did see on social media is that the door isn't really closed on Tyron Matthew. And I've, I've said that. I totally believe that. I think the relationship is still there. I don't think the relationship is burned. I think there is a little bit of bitterness because we wish there could have got a contract. But Tyron Matthew loves his teammates. He loves his coaches. He loves Brett Veach. He loves, you know, that fran you know, he loves that franchise ultimately. And I'm sure they and I know they love him. They wouldn't have made him team MVP two years in a row if that was the case. You know, it just it just all kind of come came down to numbers, I'm sure. And Brett Veach mentioned that in previous press conferences. It's all a number thing at the end of the day. Um But yeah, I'll get into his specifics more on Wednesday. Uh I did also see that he said that he was going to build in the draft. And you can see that more from picks 30 and above. So if that's the truth, now he could just be doing smoke screens. He's not going to specifically say his diabolical plan. <laughs> yeah. And um, in the NFL draft next week. But... You know, it, it, it could very it could be very well a possibility that that 29th pink is getting traded away. I'm not going to sit here and deny that. Um, I guess it's been announced that there's going to be three primetime games played on Christmas this year. I don't have the specific times up on me. Let me go find that real quick. Uh, I know they just they just announced it not too long ago. Uh, where are we at? Oh, I can't. I don't have it pulled up right now. I'm trying to find it on Twitter. Usually I get on Twitter for my NFL news because it's Christmas. All right, NFL Christmas. There you go. 
Okay, here we go. Uh, for the first time, the NFL will play two afternoon games and a primetime contest on Christmas Day. So somewhat similar to Thanksgiving games. Uh, I guess a lot of things, I guess since there's the 17th games, which I'm sure at some point we're going to have an 18th game, it's kind of making schedules a little bit funky. So, but we love football. That's just what it is. I know the players probably don't like it, but the fans definitely like it Um, for the most part, just because it means more football for us. I've been to a Chiefs game on Christmas when we played the Broncos. I had some good hot chocolate. It was very cold, very, very cold. Um, now the NFL has quite a few free agents left. I, I have that list. I have the top, uh, 20, 23, oh no, I'm sorry. Top 25. And we're going to go by the rank. This is what the NFL, uh, NFL network has. And their number one rank is Jadavian Clowney. Number two is Odell Beckham. Number three is Tyron Matthew. Number four is Trey Flowers. Number five, J.C. Treader. Number six, Julio Jones. Number seven, Melvin Ingram. Now, Melvin Ingram, if he does sign back with Kansas City, it's going to be a after training camp. He's not going to training camp. Or it'll be the tail end of training camp, just so he can kind of get his legs somewhat good. But, I mean, he's a guy that just doesn't do it. We all know Jadavian Clowney is going to get picked, you know, he's going to get picked up somewhere and he's going to sign a one-year deal. That's just who he is. Um, Number eight, Antonio Brown. Number nine, Rob Gronkowski. Number 10, Melvin Gordon. Number 11, Daryl Williams. Not the Daryl Williams that we had on our team, but the offensive tackle, Daryl Williams. Number 12, Eric Fisher. Number 13, Justin Houston. Number 14, Jerry Hughes. Number 15, Sheldon Richardson. Number 16, Akeem Hicks. Number 17, Dwayne Brown. Number 18, Bobby Massey. Number 19, Riley Reef. Number 20, Jarvis Landry. Number 21, Will Fuller. Number 22, Landon Collins. Number 23, Cole Be- Beasley. Yeah, I don't really like Cole Beasley. He's he's just like annoying to me now. Um, and it's Yes, it's mainly the COVID stuff, but, you know, he was a good player. I liked him better when he was with Dallas for some reason. He just, it feel like it's just a character, his character just changed. Um, Anyways, number 24, T.Y. Hilton. Number 25, Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders, you know, I said this the other day to one of my buddies. I feel like... I feel like Emmanuel Sanders has always been in situations where he felt like, oh, this is going to be finally my time to beat the Chiefs. Because, you know, since since 2000, you know, since 2016, one of the games in 2016, we've been beating the Broncos' ass. And he was with the Broncos for a minute. I don't I don't remember when he left. He left for... uh, Oh, who did he leave for afterwards? Let me pull it up. I want to. I don't think it was immediately San Francisco. It could have been San Francisco. Let me look that up. Emmanuel Sanders. The only reason why I'm talking about him because he's the last uh, guy in the free agent list, the top twenty-five. 
wiki wiki uh he was an smu guy i forget he played for um pittsburgh but uh, i don't want that it's not what i want okay here we go yeah uh he played with denver he played with denver from 2014 to mid-season 2019 so his last game i believe was when we beat the shit out of them in the 2019 season when we had like nine nine plus sacks on uh statue of liberty uh freaking Joe Flacco and Mahomes knee popped out of place in that game that was I would say one of his last games with the Broncos and we obviously won so he was taking abuse for from 2016 all the way to 2019 with the Broncos then he goes to San Francisco in 2019 he gets an opportunity in the Super Bowl he loses um then in New Orleans, he plays for New Orleans in 2020. We played the New Orleans Saints in the 2020 season. We beat them. He loses. And then he goes to the Buffalo Bills, a team that finally, you know, could beat Kansas City, which they did in the regular season. But he really didn't do shit. And they lost in a game that it mattered the most, and that was the divisional round game. So... Yeah, I feel like he's always he's had kind of an unfortunate career against the Chiefs. And, you know, if I was him, I would have that mindset, you know, if, hey, if I can't beat him, might as well join him. I'd take Emmanuel Sanders cheap. You might you might not play a lot, though. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, that's the NFL top 25 remaining free agents. Um, now to, to finish off with this news, I want to talk about the wide receiver controversy that's been going on in the league over the week. Uh, it started with, well, let's just put it this way. All the wide receivers, at least the wide receivers agents should blame Christian Kirk and his agent because his agent got him that ridiculous ass deal and it started a trickle effect. Then... Another receiver got paid after him. Devon, and then Devontae Adams got paid after him. Then Tyree Kill gets traded, and then he gets paid after him. Now you got all these receivers that were drafted in the uh, 2019 season who technically have one more year on their 20, uh, which will be the 22, the 22 season, but they're wanting contract extensions now, and it became a trickle effect to. Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel de- uh, decided to pull Kyler Murray and remove the, 49- the 49ers off his social media. Unfollowed him, deleted all the pictures, and he's now he's wanting to trade. Now he's wanting them to trade. And they I don't know if they confirmed it or you know gave him permission to seek trade. I just know he requested it. And just because he doesn't want to play the uh, running back position anymore. He played a lot of wide receiver and running back. And he's like, no, I want to play wide receiver. I want to have longevity in his career. And I want to get paid like a wide receiver. And, you know, it. Uh, Tyreek, no. Yeah, I think Tyreek Hill is the highest paid. No, not the highest paid receiver. Did he get the highest paid? I believe he's the highest paid receiver now. I just saw it on ESPN earlier. 
Okay, I'll get on spot track. Uh, who is the highest paid receiver in the NFL? I believe it's Tyreek Hill. Well, that, well, we're talking about Debo Samuel. But I wanted... Yeah, Tyreek Hill. That's what I thought. Tyreek Hill... Devontae Adams, DeAndre uh, Hopkins. Yeah, that's exactly. I, I, I knew that was what it was. All right, so Tyreek Hill is the highest paid. You know, he's getting that $30 million, And that's what a lot of these receivers now want. You know, they're wanting their contracts. You know, I don't know if Debo's demanding that type of money, but... He's demanding a new contract, and I don't think, well, he actually just doesn't want to be in San Francisco anymore because I think they're just not going to utilize him the way he wants to be utilized, So, which I think is stupid. If he doesn't want to play the running back position anymore, then just let him play his natural receiver position. Now, I will admit, I personally think he's better at the running back position just because... You know, I think he just is better more when he gets to burst out in space and not have to start running a route. Not saying that he can't, you know, play receiver, but I don't know. That's what he was drafted as as a receiver. So anyways, uh, that was Debo Samuel. I know DK Metcalf has been kind of hinting at wanting a new contract. He hasn't been as vocal, but... He's part of that class too, the 2019 class. Um, who else? AJ Brown. AJ Brown is doing the same thing. These guys are holding out of the off the the official team activities, which is uh, OTAs. They're holding out of that, and you know it. It's kind of you know it's. I understand. I completely get it. They're like, hey, we've been doing good shit for the last three years give us an extension now and we want to be paid and rightfully so so aj brown's one of them he's a receiver out of the tennessee titans i'd take him if 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 the uh titans were willing to trade him away i'd trade for him in a heartbeat i think he's a better receiver than all of them but the thing is about him he's kind of been injured last couple last couple of seasons or at least last year he was a little bit hurt but I think a lot of it also was like stomach bug and COVID. So not tremendously like like he tore ACL or anything like that. Um, Yeah, so yeah, this is DK, Debo, uh, AJ Brown. Oh, and Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin is doing the same thing. Uh, Terry McLaurin was he's in a he's a phenomenal receiver. I'm surprised Washington hasn't even tried to pay him yet. That they they trade him away, Carson Wentz won't have a number one receiver. So I don't know how that's gonna that's how that's gonna pan out. You know, it's it's crazy because social media is giving these players platforms to manipulate teams. They manipulate the shit out of teams. Unless you're Aaron Rodgers, you're just a narcissist and you just know how to manipulate in general. You don't need social media. You're just going to go and do it anyways. But 
yeah, they're they're using their platform to voice their opinions, and that's just what it is. They want to be paid. Um, you can't you can't really blame the guys, you know, for that. Um, is there? I'm trying to think. Is there anything else that I want to go over? I want to say there was something else that I there was something else I wanted to talk to you guys about, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Um. I believe it was, oh, let me get, let me look it up real quick. I believe I just ran through it and saw it. Oh, duh. I was talking about, you know, OTAs earlier, and those are the official team activities. And Patrick Mahomes, you know, he had his guys out there and, I know there was like talk about McCall Hardman and McCall Hardman has been kind of a non-factor in the off season his last three years. And people were saying like, oh, they think it's ironic that he decided to, you know, do some off season work with Mahomes and his trainer down in Texas, you know, on a contract year. Now, I don't know. Maybe he's he maybe he has trained with them and maybe people just don't know what the fuck they're talking about and just blowing smoke. Matter of fact, Patrick Mahomes I think actually said like, "Nah, we've worked together before. Like it's all good." You know, and he could be just, you know, being his normal self, you know, saying what he has to say, his PG self, you know, but or PR self, whatever however you call it. Um but that's just what it is. Now, who all went down to Texas to train with Mahomes and his trainer? It was MVS, Juju, Garrick Dieter, Noah Gray, Travis Kelsey, CEH, Rojo, Hardman, and Bouchelle, our backup, one of our backup quarterbacks was down there too. Uh, I'm trying to think, am I leaving anybody out? Yeah, our new all of our all of our new receivers. Oh, all of our new receivers were down there, and that's good. And then I saw Kelsey. Kelsey was showing the guys. Oh, Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon was down there. Uh, they've been posting some pictures. It's been looking nice. And how can I forget Jody Fortson? He's doing some things. You know, getting those legs moving. You know, recovering from that Achilles injury. I'm excited for him. I'm excited to see Jody Fortson. He should. He should explode next year, you know, barring, you know, injury and stuff. Um, Andy Reid brought up, you know, Lucas Niang. You know, he's still still pretty much the said future of the off, you know, the right tackle, you know, barring injury. You know, that's the thing for him. He's just got to get healthy. But they want him to be the starting right tackle. And he, he he's good when he's healthy, you know, as far as like run mauling goes. He needs to work on his pass protection a lot more because the speed rushers just beat the shit out of him. But for a guy who hasn't played for over two years, I and I kind of, you know, amend him, you know, a little bit and kind of, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt just because, you know, you can't really come back after two years like that and expect to have like a all pro or pro bowl season. Besides, he couldn't stay healthy anyways. But yeah, again, it's it's nice to see that Mahomes is down there slinging the ball to all his receivers. It's good that he needs to build that uh, connection, that relationship. He actually said in his press conference that, you know, 
when I think they're overthrows, you know, they look like overthrows, but they're so damn big that they get them. And he's realizing what he has around him now. And like I said, this is what I talked about in the first episode of this uh, podcast. You know, I think the offense is evolving, especially that wide receiver room. They're changing a lot, you know, and bringing in Ronald Jones. He's a big bodied, you know, running back. They're trying to be big, you know, and if Brett Veach is really going to build through the draft, that may be a lot defensive heavy, but they're trying to get big on offense. And I feel like the defense is going to get younger. They're going to get younger on defense and they're just going to get bigger on offense. That's just how it's going to be. Well, guys, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode. Hope you guys all enjoyed. Um, I want to give you guys my social media. I've been, I keep forgetting to, you know, give that out on each episode. Um, my Twitter handle is uh, Big E Fit. That's Big E Fit, B I G E Fit, K C. Uh, my Instagram is the, pretty much the same name, but it's Big E Fit K C. Um, and then you can just find me on Facebook. Uh, my training is Empowering Lifestyles. If you guys want to look into that, you know, you're more than welcome to give me a uh, give me a shout out, give me a follow, like, whatever the case may be. Well, Chiefs Kingdom, what do I always say? The connect was real. Jay Marsh and some real shit.